to episode number 37 of the Feasible Filmcast. It is May 9th, 2017, and my name is Chris. Thank you for tuning in on this week's episode. Um, It's not our Grand Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 review, but we will be getting to that later in the week. But for now, we're just going to go over some uh, new released movies, I guess, that came out on DVD that we missed, and uh, we'll go over those in as much detail as we can. Um, So today on the docket we have um, Split, as well as Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, and retro reviews of Terror Vision, as well as Moonraker. Now, what's really baffling is, is it's really, really hard to get into this Guardians movie. And for the foreseeable future, I guess... It's just going to come down to, you know, getting the tickets weeks in advance because when there's a big, huge movie here, um, most theaters around town have all moved to more of the uh, like exclusive uh, theaters where they do the redesign. So they have like the leather seats that recline and, um, you know, things like that. But for primetime movies, they only show the primetime movies in the XD, which is the upgraded sound, and real 3D, IMAX 3D, and oh, say so there's digital, IMAX 3D, real 3D, and then XD. And so they do normal showings in the smaller theaters. They'll do one big showing, like at five, like in a matinee area. And then they'll do from like six until nine, they'll all be like their prime time. And, you know, I don't fault them for it, you know, but, you know, they, they run the 3D, the MX 3D, and the XD showings within that time frame. And, you know, it's just getting to where movies nowadays are, are almost as much, if not more, than the Blu-rays. So, you know, an XD screen is like $16, and a real screening is like seventeen eighty something So... You know, I'd imagine somewhere like in New York or, you know, California, I'm sure that's apropos, but, you know, here it's just getting almost ridiculous, the ticket prices. And I mean, I just remember a time where, you know, it's starting to feel like you're, I'm old saying this, but, you know, it just feels like a time that there is, you know, you know, you said you'd never spend, you know, $10, you know, when a movie came out and it was $10, you know, that's the day I stopped going, you know, and, you know, but, you know, you just can't keep me out of the theater you know I just love watching movies and um it's just so much harder to see them now because these theaters you know these 300 seat theaters have turned into like 65 to 70 seat theaters and you know it's just harder to get a ticket um like especially ones that are you know you know seated you know when you're in a good you know good viewing angle you know most of the time even the the ones up front are sold still selling out which i don't understand but let's um enough with that so we'll we'll get that uh review here shortly this week sometime hopefully by friday so tune in for that um other than that we are there's no top five this week but we are going to take two questions i'm taking two questions from the uh twitter verse here that were sent in and um and we'll do that later on as well. So uh, we're just going to kind of touch on um, these films at first. And 
you know, go from there. So the first one is Split. And, you know, this one, you know, just came out like a week or so ago on, you know, streaming services and on Blu-ray and things like that. So um, I'm kind of late to the party on this one. And mainly it's just because I haven't really been a fan of Shyamalan. And, uh, and I know a lot of people aren't. But especially recently, you know, with his last couple movies like, um, you know, After Earth and um, the uh, Hansel and Gretel one, the, the Visit, I believe it was called. I, I you know, I, I just haven't been fans of those. You know, they have like these small moments in there that are decent, you know, where, you know, you have glimpses and shines of um, interesting filmmaking or, or things that kind of throw you for a loop and keep you guessing. But ultimately, the end, you know, he, he's always going to be judged fairly or unfairly about, you know, his twist endings, you know, that he just has to do. And, um, you know, and just the track record lately has not been all that great. And suffice to say, Split, I thought, you know, was a step in the right direction. Um, is it a perfect film? Is it one of his better films? Yes. But it's not really saying all that much because he has had you know, greatness, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people complain about his movies not being able, uh, you know, not good for rewatches. And for the most part, I think that's true. But, um, you know, cause when you know the twist, you know, it's kind of hard to, to watch it in the same light again. You know, it's almost like some older Hitchcock movies, you know, I mean, unless you just enjoy the ride, you know, it's kind of hard to go watch, um, some of those play out, but, then again, you have the filmmaking and some interesting things to fall back on and some interesting things to take note of um, and techniques. Whereas, and especially Split, um, it, it's it's another one of his movies that I feel doesn't really go anywhere and really harkens back to some original movies without spoiling much um, in which you have to really have seen or, or had those fresh in your memory. I know some of them have come out, you know, 20 years ago. So even though I knew what was going on, the twist is not necessarily a twist of um, importance, I guess I should say. So, you know, without spoiling, spoiling it any more than that, um, I thought that the, it's basically, it's basically about um, a guy who has multiple personalities who captures uh, a bunch of young girls and keeps them down into a basement and um, is fighting amongst his um, personalities to um, ultimately you're watching you're watching him fight with his personalities to see uh, you know the struggle of the girls trying to get away from him in a nutshell and um, without getting into any more spoilers than that we'll just kind of talk about or. We'll just—it's kind of hard to, to beat around the bush, but we'll just kind of get into, you know, what a horror movie should do, and is it—it it should scare you, and does it scare you? No. Did it get my pulse racing? No. Did it have any really interesting things to say? I don't think so. Um, was the concept cool? Yes, but it's kind of like I've said, you know, in the past couple episodes when it comes to horror movies. Um, we're kind of in an age where it's not just, you know, it seems like horror, they're trying to reach for new things. Like they're trying to um, look for these weird like disorders or 
weird um, factual things or even, you know, uh, um, uh, like old urban legends or even new urban legends and kind of gravitating towards those and trying to make something interesting. Um, and Split is one of those things where it focuses on a disorder and kind of exploits that and kind of shows what it what um, what it's like for a person going through that. But even though I thought the performances were okay, it didn't really do much to me. I mean, it didn't really move me one way or the other. It didn't scare me um, because it was made basically just rinse and repeat. You know, he would come in, talk to the girls, you know, they would try to escape and, you know, it would go on from there. And there wasn't anything ne necessarily interesting about any of the characters. So driving you along, it's just kind of de someone dealing with this mental health, 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 but, uh, um, not show showcasing in a way that I guess it's interesting. And I know that's might be an unfair criticism, but you know, cause you're given, I mean, the, the, the disorder is, is there, you know, it, 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 it um, you know, it, you know, I have like, I think there was like 20 something personalities that try to get out and I just think it could have done better. It, I mean, I, I guess it would have been more interesting to go more of a, um, uh, a different route with it, not just a single location, but more um, dealing with maybe a couple different people, maybe interacting with a couple different people. But it's basically just two, two or three people that he's interacting with. And uh, it makes it difficult to kind of understand what the point of it is. And even though it comes full circle at the end, it's just the ride isn't that fun and um, just isn't that interesting. And uh, so, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of like a one location, maybe two location shoot. And uh, um, I don't know, it, it just, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, what most people think, you know, because it, it, you know, looks like it's kind of, for lack of a better term, the, no pun intended, the, the reviews are kind of split yet again, just like all of his movies are. But this one, I feel like, you know, more people are talking about it, you know, more people are saying he's back, you know, with this movie. And I just don't see it. It's kind of just a film I wouldn't even recommend to somebody trying to get back into Shyamalan, you know, it, it's just, it's neither here nor there. So, um, you know, the pros of it, I'd say, uh, are the, some of the performances, um, and that's really about it. I mean, there's nothing really shocking, and the, and the cons are, like I said, it's kind of an, an unoriginal story, you know, something you've seen before, and a lot of films ahead of it and something that does it doesn't really deal with it all that well and um so but at the end i, I guess it's decent but I, I definitely wouldn't recommend it if you're curious about it but uh i'd give it a, a three out of five so moving on from split uh let's get into um triple x return of xander cage now if you remember on one of our previous episodes, I remember being like really, really excited for this and the trailer really sold me on it. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, and, and we've talked about this before, it's, 
these movies are meant to um, kind of fill the void of your serious action movies um, and like superhero movies. It's kind of like, you know, any, any of those type of people can get on board with something like this. And it's just, the problem with the movie in general is, is you know, the, just in a nutshell, the story is, you know, Vin Diesel is living out in, I think, in like Colombia, Brazil or something. And, you know, uh, uh, U.S. comes to him and wants him to do a mission to um, basically find this guy and find this, you know, supercomputer that, that uh, I, I don't know if it's spoiler or not. I, I guess I won't say what it does, but... They want him to find it and bring it back to them, and um, and it, and it's just, it's trying to be, it's trying to be something that it's not. You know, it's trying to be like an '80s, like an '80s action movie. Um, you know, incorporating like technology, and you know, and in, in, in gadgets and weapons and larger than life bosses and enemies and things like that. You know, setting across multiple locations, but in the end, it, it's more like a Fast and Furious movie. It, um, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the, those times where you're like, you're at the burger joint. You're like, should I get a double with bacon and cheese this time? I'm really hungry and it just sounds good, you know? So I, yeah, I guess so. You're going to feel terrible <laughs> and wash it all down with a soda. You're going to feel terrible afterwards, but it'll be enjoyable for like that hour, you know, that you're experiencing eating that, you know, high caloric, uh, meal. But, um... The, the thing that the, the thing that really rose me the wrong way with this film especially is you know Vin Diesel is kind of you know he's the main star of course and it, it, the team that surrounds him is the same problem I had with like Expendables 3 you know it's almost like they have to get people who are or uh, like can act less you know or, or not as good of actors as them um, <laughs> you know it's even hard saying that you know that it's better than them but um, but, you know, they, they, they assemble a team and the team is very cliche. Some of them don't make any sense. One of them is a DJ. One of them is a rugby player who likes to crash cars. One of them is a sniper. And is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. And, and that's really all you know about them. And they give you kind of the, the, um, Guy Pierce style intros or, or like Scott Pilgrim style intros. So it's all over the place. Like it, it wants to be, it wants to capture eighties action. It wants to be a comedy. It wants to be like slapsticky. It wants to be a superhero movie. It wants to be a jet setting bond style movie. It, it wants to be everything. It's like an amalgamation of all of those different genres in, in one movie. And so I'm kind of beating around the bush, though, but, I mean, the plot's bad. The action sequences are something that you'd see, like, like Joel Schumacher come up with. You know, just something that's absolutely ridiculous, kind of like those last few Batman films. You know, you have uh, dirt bikes with skis on them that go across the water. And it, it's, it's kind of like trying to capture, some, like, a Bond-like style gadget, but it's just executed so poorly. And even though you can kind of laugh at it ironically... I just wish it looked a little bit better. I mean, the CG of Vin Diesel in this, when he's like running and falling off bridges and, and jumping and all sorts of stuff, it, it just looks so bad. Like, 
really, really bad. And, um, you know, the, the stunt double doesn't look right. All, I mean, all of the, the action sequences just seem like, you know, they, they filmed them all with, like, within a day or two, you know. Um, and especially the lines are all, you know, quick little setups with quick little payoffs. Nothing's funny. Um, the action's kind of uninspired. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it, to me, it's just disappointing. And I know it's been a long time since I have seen the first one. I know, you know, it was probably, it's been so long, it's probably just as ridiculous. But for whatever reason, I was just so excited for this. I, 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 want, I want there to be movies like this. And I, I'm glad there's movies like this. But I think that they can do, like, such a, a, a much better job. And especially, you know, the amount of money put into, like, Fast and Furious. You know, if it was put into, put into something like this, you know, like this dumb action, like, you know, the movies of jail, like Jason Statham comes out and it seems like you load up Netflix and there's a hundred of them, you know, you would think that some of those could stand out and some of those could be elevated at some, to some, to a certain extent. And it seems like, you know, the triple X series, um, and the, uh, like Expendables movies, things like that are really you know, the only things like Escape Plan, that type of movie, you know, it's kind of like these old guys are, are all trying to come together and use technology to their advantage. Whereas I still think, and, and it's not just, you know, me harking back to like the nostalgia era or anything like that, but I still say that you could make an awesome movie, um, not pander too much to the audience, but just leave the technology out of it, you know? I mean, the jokes about satellites and um, cell phones and these, you know, capturing like, you know, these footballs that control like all of these different like systems and, you know, drones. And it, it just gets to where it's, I mean, I know that's the future. I know that's what it is now, but it, it gets to be a little much, you know, it's just the, the jokes have run dry and they're, they're flat, you know, put these guys in like, do what, do what they did with like, um, the Rambo, the, the, the Rambo remake where they put him in Burma, you know, I mean, something like that is just so much more interesting. And, you know, seeing like those guys in their element, you know, it's just so much more interesting, but the, the places that they're putting him in these, is just so unbelievable. It's just so unbelievable. It just looks like a say, it looks like those movies that you, like I was talking about, like those Statham movies that you, you watch or like Kickboxer Vengeance, you know, that we've reviewed in the past. It's just, the scenes are just so set up and so crisp and so slick that it, and they try to mask it with CG and it's just so bad. So, I, you know, I, I was just so, I was just so disappointed, disappointed with this. Um, but, you know, I can see where people could have dumb fun with this. It'll be on a Netflix near you probably very soon. So, I definitely, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely wait on that. Um, but, um, I mean, things that stand out, I guess, are the one scene, the one sequence that stands out to me, at least as far as the action goes, is Vin Diesel gets a dirt bike and, uh, I forget where he is. He's like in Columbia or, or, uh, I forget, I actually forget where he is, but he, he acquires a dirt bike and... He then goes and starts attacking guys, doing backflips and roundhouses with the wheels and, like, kicking guys in the face. And, um, 
you know, jumping off of little bridges and buildings and things like that. And, you know, while there's a club, you know, while there's like a dance party going on and it just, it looks ridiculous, but you know, that's the two, those two or three minutes, I guess, for the crowning achievements of the film in my eyes. But, um, that and the very end, there's like a two or three minute sequence, um, where there's like a zero G area where he's fighting in a plane and it really it really it reminds me of um, the fight scene like like the fight scene in Uncharted uh, two Uncharted. yeah Uncharted two where you're over the desert and you go down on the cargo plane very reminiscent of that but you'll see everything coming you'll see all the jokes coming you know I wholeheartedly do not recommend this and I give it a one and a half and one and a half out of five so. Let's go ahead and go to our next review here. And our next review is Terror Vision. Now, going into this, I, I'd always seen this movie, like, I, I was kind of like at the tail end of the big, uh, like, VHS, um, uh, where, you know, where you'd go, in, you'd go into, like, Blockbuster, your local video store, and they'd have, like, VHS copies of movies and things like that. I, I, I was, I was a little late on that, you know, I, I, uh, um, but I do remember like going down the sections and, you know, just looking at like covers and like just being terrified and like, like seeing, especially like seeing the horror like section going through there, seeing movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, stuff like that. And, you know, and you'd go a little bit further and you'd see, you know, kind of like the, 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 the uh, cheaper i guess stuff like Pumpkinhead, uh hellraiser you know and then you go a little bit further down and you'd see like the ghoulies and you'd see movies like terror vision you'd see uh puppet master stuff like that it was like kind of like in their own little area and you know at the time you know for me at least my only uh like my only like kind of knowledge of like the that puppet style uh, like movie was, you know, like, of course, like the, the, uh, the little brain guy in Big Trouble Little China, the, uh, like kind of like the, the Rancor in Star Wars. So, you know, very little experience with movies like that, but I'd always remembered seeing the Terror Vision, uh, uh, box and thinking it was really, it looked cool. So, you know, however many years later, what, it came out in 86. So, 30-something years later, you know, finally being able to see it, you know, it, it was kind of eye-opening because uh, it, it's kind of one of those trashy, uh, like, exploitation, not really exploitation, but kind of like the, it's just those trashy 80s horror movies. And this one especially is bad because you can tell it's filmed, you can literally tell it's filmed on a set, and in HD versions, just do this no justice. Now, if this is one of your favorite uh, like, like horror films, like growing up or whatever, you know, I apologize. Cause I, I'll be forthright and say that the, I just, I thought that the movie was, you know, it lacked any of that charm, you know, that makes it kind of a classic like gremlins or, you know, the ghoulies or, or, uh, you know, similar type movies, you know, puppet master. It didn't have, there was nothing in it that really hooked you. Um, other than like the design of the monster, but, um, and 
I, I'm going to like kind of, you know, criticize, you know, the acting, of course. I know nobody that I'd really recognize in this, you know, series, but um, I know it's like a Charles Band production. And I, I, I've seen like three or four of the Puppet Masters. I like the first two. Um, but from there on, you know, uh, it just kind of got ridiculous in my eyes, you know, with all of these crazy plot lines and going back and forth in time and things like that. But um, this movie in general, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's about like an alien who's uh, gets broadcast like there was like a malfunction or something on the planet. And uh, it was like a waste. It was like a nearby planet. And uh, I believe. And there was some kind of like a power surge or something in the, I forget, in the, uh, the, uh, the monster, like the airwaves, like get sent out and there's a family, there's like a, like well-to-do family, like a rich family who's built like their own satellite dish, like the father has. And he can, he's saying, you know, oh, like I can, I can get all these different channels and things like that. So they end up intercepting the channel from the planet that sent it out and ends up being a monster that comes out and starts attacking the family. And it's just the, the story, like what I'll say about like the, the story in general is just real juvenile. That, that's what I'll say. It's like, I mean, I can see how this might appeal, uh, might appeal to you when you're like eight or nine, I guess. But, you know, now that, you know, I've seen so many different types of movies, you know, um, as, like as low budget as it gets to as high as budget as it gets, you know, to horror you know, um, it's just, it's just, it gives you nothing. Like, like I said, the monster, the monster's okay. It deals with like a mom and a dad and their kids and the grandfather, like a grandfather's like a crazy nut who has like, you know, machine guns and things like that. And like a cellar with like grenades and things like that. And the monster just, you know, attacks people through the, uh, the, the airwaves, but, uh, I'm sorry, but the channels that they change, but the, but the whole plot line and the, the uh, the red herrings I guess and the fodder the the fodder you know the the people that the monster kills, um. It it just it just makes no sense and and there's no it's not funny, um. Even the special effects aren't act, aren't all that great. The set design is I mean I I really would like I I guess I actually should have went back and looked up to see what the budget of this film was because. I mean, if it was, it wouldn't surprise me if this movie was made for like under like $40,000 or something like that. I'm sure it was a lot more than that, but it really wouldn't surprise me if it was made with that type of budget. Um, just because they're using like props and, and things from like model kits and like, especially at the beginning, like the satellite dish is an overturned Enterprise, uh, is it A? Yeah, Enterprise A, I believe. It's like overturned and that's what sends a single signal out. Um, but you know the the acting's atrocious. The costume design's terrible. The the writing is like I said, it's just um, so surface level, and it was just it just wasn't it, it didn't have anything uh, enjoyable about it. Like I'd like to hear what you know, um, like what you'd like have to say about it in the comments. So you know if there if there's anybody out there that wants to you know back this film and and <laughs> I don't know how you would, but somehow uh give like their interpretation of why it's good i'd love to hear it you know other than it just being kind of like a nostalgic trip you know i'd love to hear it but i mean 
you know, pros, the monster design, like I said, the cons, you know, the music's bad and the story's bad. So there's just nothing I gravitate towards. So at the end of the day, I'd give it a 1.5 out of 5. So let's go ahead and move along to the last retro view, which is um, Moonraker. And uh, what's interesting about Moonraker in my eyes is, and I, I, I implore everyone to kind of go back, if you haven't seen this movie in a very long time, um, give it another viewing, you know, because I just remember as a kid watching it and uh, thinking, you know, this is when like, you know, I started getting into Bond movies, you know, I started getting to Bond movies, I guess, around Goldeneye. And, you know, then I, I mean, I had seen like Thunderball and Dr. No, but I think that was about it. And so I, I tried my best to, to go back and get them and, and, and you watch them. But the Roger Moore ones have always just been, you know, ridiculed, like, especially in my circle, like they've just been ridiculed as being like these terrible movies and and I, I've seen Moonraker before. I, I remember a lot of things from it, but um, I remember it being cheesy, and you know, I remember it being like really unrealistic. Even back when I watched it, I was like, you know, ten or twelve, or whatever. And uh, but this time around, I had so much more of an appreciation for it. Like I was like, what was I thinking when I watched this? You know, I guess. I guess just these past couple years with Daniel Craig's like brooding, ba uh, brooding Bond you know, in the dark tones and, you know, learning about his past, you know, there was always that gap in between bonds where they would kind of turn a new leaf. Like you went from like, um, Sean Connery to like, you know, Lazenby to Roger Moore to, um, Timothy Dalton to Pierce Brosnan, you know, and each one kind of brought like, they, they were all, like, kind of grounded, but they also had their cheese factor, especially Pierce Brosnan towards the later end, especially towards Roger Moore towards the end. But um, I always specifically remember Moonraker being, like, really bad for some reason. And I'll definitely say, you know, some 40-something years later, or not, not 40 years later, but, like, I'm saying, like, when I watched that, I was, yeah, like, 20 years later or so, I just thought it was amazing, you know, it was so much fun, like, the action was awesome, and I, I really think this is a film that really, uh, like, the, the transfer, especially, like, on the Blu-ray, looks amazing, like, and, and I know, I you know, when I was watching it, I was like, what in the heck was the budget of this film, and I went and looked it up, and it was the highest Bond budget of it, of all of them combined up to that point, and I think there was, like, what, like, 10 or so maybe and uh it was all of those budget was bigger than all those combined and they wanted to make a movie that was going to stand on its own and be better than star wars or be better than or, or try to be as big or as in as good as star wars and i honestly think for the most part they succeed you know i i know like the the spaceship designs when they actually go into space is awesome all the costuming is great the base looks fantastic um Jaws is in it. It seems like every 10 or 15 minutes there's a like action sequence. It's just great um, And it was just so much fun, you know, I, I just had so much fun watching it and uh, So but I mean other than that, you know, it has um, Lots of different locations 
Uh, Roger Moore, you know, this has been my first Roger Moore film in a very long time. And I'm especially interested in going back and seeing, you know, a lot of the other ones to, to kind of relive those and see what I remember. But I, I thought he didn't do all that bad, you know? I, I thought, you know, even some of the fight the fight scenes are, are, you know, real cheesy. But they're done, like, in, like, really crazy areas. Like, especially the one on the gondola. Like, the fight on the gondola ride looks awesome, you know? I, I, I thought I thought it looks fantastic. And uh, coming from, you know, someone who loved the GoldenEye video game, and, uh, you know, the Moonraker laser was always, like, you know, the gun you'd want to get. I thought that the space battle at the very end was awesome. I thought that um, just the filmmaking in general was great. Um, and, and even though I, I know one thing I was reading that, that, that kind of surprised me is Roger Moore wasn't one for using a guns on, on set. So I think th one of the trivias was this, this, this Bond film was one of the first no, it was the only Bond film where he didn't use a gun. Like, we didn't have a Walther, his Walther or his uh, PT-7, you know? He didn't have it. And uh, I thought that was, like, so interesting, you know? I mean, he, of course, he bags some people, but he doesn't use a gun, which I thought that was just, like, really interesting. You know, and I even, like, like made the point, I was like, right, this is, like, an hour and a half in, and I haven't seen the PT-7. So, anyway, that was awesome. And, uh... But I implore you to go back and check this one out. It was it was amazing, and um, I definitely give it a four out of five. So yeah, definitely go back and check that one out. So let's go on. Like I said, we're not going to do a top five, but let's go on and just do the last section here, which is the Twitter questions. And um, and yeah, thank you guys for reaching out. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, just send you can. Send us an email at feasiblefilm at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. It's at feasiblefilm and send in your questions. So the first question is from Jana from Salt Lake City. And she asks, where is the fantasy love? I was speaking to a bunch of people about our favorites and it was really hard to come up with any that have been great lately. Any recommendations? And, you know, this is kind of eye-opening, you know, because I, I, I agree, you know. Um... To me, you know, if I had to say where are they, you know, they're, they're usually like a couple, but I think the reason you don't see as many is because they're so expensive to make. Um, you know, because typically fantasy, you have to have a huge budget, and it takes a long time to make, and um, you have to hire some expensive dudes and do, to, you know, dudes to, to pull it off. And so... Um, but, you know, if I was going to suggest some, you know, I'd say, you know, Fantastic Beasts is kind of in that realm. Um, recently, Doctor Strange, I guess, you know, is a superhero film, but I guess you could say that's fantasy as well. That would be a good one. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like Warcraft, but, you know, if you need to, to, to ease that itch, that's a good... I thought it was fun. You know, watch that. Watch that. Um... And, uh, let's see, fantasy. I guess you could say, um, well, I guess it's not, that's not really the true sense of fantasy, but, um, yeah, I'd say those three, I know those are big movies and a lot of people saw those, but just recently, those are the ones that kind of come off the top of my head. You know, if you have any other suggestions, leave them in the comments, but those are the ones that come off the top of my head that, yeah, they're just, 
they're just hard to come out with just because they're so expensive. And, and if it's not a franchise or if it's not a recognizable name, you know, you're not going to see, you're just not going to see, uh, these newer, um, fantasy films, like, like even like the, the indie stuff, they don't want to touch it cause it's so expensive. But yeah, if you have any suggestions, just leave them in the comments. Um, now the last one is from Dan from Jersey and he says, is Kingsman a better series than Bond recently? Do you think it gets more people excited or is it just a pit stop until the next one comes out for most fans? Um, I mean, I, I know I can say personally that they're not better or, or it's not better. And, um, I mean, the reason is, is it's just, it, it's kind of, it, it is, bond. the, the movie is, the, I mean, especially the original, it is Bond, but instead of going the cheesy route, it goes more of the situational humor, the, um, almost like the airplane style referential humor and the visual humor. And, uh, even though, I mean, I like that type stuff. I like the kick-ass style stuff, but I don't know if it's a kind of a one trick pony. I don't know if you can come up with, uh, uh, you know, something fresh. I don't know. I mean, it's something you can, I think it'll be hard to come up with something that's more original, more shocking. Um, you know, that deals with more, uh, pertinent subjects they did in the first one. Now, the acting is all great. You know, um, the storyline I thought was actually pretty good with the first one. But uh, to answer your question, I think people are excited. I think people are really excited because they like the first one. But is it better than Bond? I, I mean, it, it, it's too early to tell, but I don't see it's, you know, a franchise that's going to last, you know, another 50 years. So, but that answers that. Um, but thanks again, guys, for sending those in. And uh, let's see, until the end of the week when we do uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. So if you wouldn't mind rating us on iTunes or Stitcher or, you know, if you listen on Pocket Cast, just share it to your friends, share it to your social media. You know, just get it out there, and uh, that would be a big help. So until next time, thanks for listening, and stay faithful.